The following audio is from Delta Church in Springfield, Illinois. Our purpose is to proclaim the gospel through the church to a world that needs Jesus Christ. We pray this sermon will aid and encourage your daily walk with Jesus. For more information about Delta, you can visit us online at deltachurch.net. Please stand with me as I read God's word. We're just reading one verse this morning. It's found in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is God's word. Please be seated. I would be amiss if I didn't give my brother, my fellow pastor, some acknowledgement that you are preaching today. Thank you for leading worship and preaching. Um, You are incredible. Your abilities, your capacity is uh, surpassed by no one that I know humanly. So, um, But I, we're going to be blessed today. This is one of my favorite passages. I quote this passage all the time because we need to be reminded to be encouraged. So, I was uh, getting ready this week, and uh, yesterday I uh, saw a tweet from uh, a famous author, writer, pastor, preacher. He said, all you youth pastors... Bring it really strong tomorrow. So today is obviously the day when the lead pastor doesn't preach and somebody else on the staff does, whether you're the youth pastor or one of the other elders, obviously, in our situation. So for those of you guys that have been around Delta for a while, this is kind of one of the times that I just annually pick up. So um, so I'm looking forward to today. Um, In our family, all of our girls um, have run track and so uh, run cross country. Uh, actually, two of them run cross country, all three of them run track. And so um, back in the day when Carrie was running and then when Madeline and Haley came along, uh, they, they, they run, they ran. Maddie still runs in college. Um, the thing about our family and track is that you know when our girls are running, all right? There's, just, there's no doubt. Doesn't matter how big the stadium is, uh, doesn't matter how small the stadium is, when one of the Campbell girls is on the track, there's just a lot of noise. I mean, a lot of noise. Um, so um, if all of us are there and only one of them is on the track, we'll like strategically position ourselves around the track. So kind of one's on one corner, one's on the other corner. I'm typically at the finish line. Um, and somebody else is on the back stretch. And as whoever's running that particular race, um, because we're, we're, our family is a family of distance runners, um, you know, so multiple laps, it's the, it's the races that you go get coffee at. Um, you know, and go get lunch while the runners are running, but, uh, but we're there, and we're cheering, um, and every time that runner comes by, and even when they're not on our part of the track, we're, I mean, we're just, it's just, it's just, it's just out and out, just yelling, I mean, just, just, you know, if you, we, in fact, we don't even have any decent videos, because typically the person that's holding the video, you know, they're holding the video, but then as the runner comes towards them, the video starts doing this, and all you just hear is this, ah, you know, or whoever the person is, go Maddie, go Haley, or whatever. And then as soon as the race is over, we continue to cheer, right, for 30, 40 minutes to an hour. No. As soon as the race is over, we're done. That's what this passage is all about this morning, that we need to be people that while we are running this race, this race called the Christian life, that we are daily yelling our guts out for each other. We're daily cheering one another on. We're exhorting one another um, 
so that the deceitfulness of sin may not harden our hearts. So if you look at the context of chapter 3 of Hebrews, it's actually this whole idea of Jesus is the better Moses. So if you look in the early verses, that's what you see there. Um, And the author of Hebrews is is challenging um, his listeners to not be like Israel and miss out on the promise of God due to disobedience and unbelief. They, he, he's challenging them not to repeat that pattern. You see that in, in verses um, 7 to 11. And then you see this um, little section of Scripture right there in the middle of, of um, chapter 3, verses 12, 13, and 14. I'm going to read all three verses again. And thank you for Tara emphasizing the middle one where, where we're going to spend the most of our time. But you look at 12, 13, and 14. It says, Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you in evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So I want to give you three things today as we, as we kind of walk through this passage. Um, the first thing is this. If you look at verse 12, I want you to simply write down these three words, do your part. Do your part. Right there, the writer says, take care. Take care, brothers. So there's this idea of a personal commitment. There's there's this idea of being responsible for what you know and continuing to grow and learn So you think about John 15. John's just preached through that as we've come through John 15, 16, and 17, that whole idea of abiding well. If you think about Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 talks about being wise, making the most of the days for the time is evil. Because the flip side of that, if if we don't do our part, there's this whole idea, there's this warning there that says there can be this fall away. And typically, that's, that's not just like a, a step off the cliff kind of thing, it's like a slow burn, you know? Um, (laughs) It's like me over the holidays, right? I did really good with my eating habits until I went back to my home, all right? To the, not the home I grew up in, but where my parents live now. And uh, in my house, I mean, there's just a ton of really bad comfort food, you know? But it's comfort food, right? You're in mom's house, so... Um, there's the leaders and leaders of Dr. Pepper, and so you have one, and it's like, oh, you know, one was good. It's like, man, that Dr. Pepper was really good, so we're going to go get some more. Um, there's bluebell ice cream, you know, the French vanilla kind. You can't get bluebell up here, all right, and there's nothing else that compares to bluebell if you're from my part of the world. So, you know, so I think I'll have a little bluebell with that Dr. Pepper. Um, and then there's all the homemade treats, right? Whether they're the treats that my wife made or the treats that my sister-in-law made, you know. And then there's mom's chili. Um, and then there's just all this kind of stuff that just comes out of a can that you really don't care. It just tastes good, you know. Everybody's like, how do you like? But it's just kind of a, and by the end of the week, you're like, you've consumed like 50,000 calories, you know. You've just kind of been a slow burn away from it. Oftentimes that can happen in, in, our, in our faith, in our faith walk, where if we don't take care if we don't be wise, if we don't abide well, there's this slow burn that can happen. So here's the question that I want you to put in your notes. How might that happen to you? What's the 
slow burn away from God look like for you? Where do you tend, where are you prone, use the words of the, of the, of the hymn writer, where are you prone to wander? And if you're not careful, you all of a sudden turn around one day and, and, and your relationship with the Father is, is dry. Your heart has become bitter. It's become hard. Um, there's just all kinds of things that have entangled you in ways that you didn't realize were happening. What's that look like? How does it happen? Look real quick with me over at um, James chapter 4. James 4, you go down to... uh, I'm going to start at 13, but really thinking about 14 and 15. It says, um, come now, you say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Our time here is short. It's just a mist. We need to make the most of the days. Um, So how do we guard ourselves from that slow burn not happening? So go with me back now to Hebrews chapter 3. Let's just hang out in verse 13 for a few minutes. So here's the second thing that I want you to write down from verse 13. But remember, you aren't alone. So the first thing is do your part. The second thing is Remember, you aren't alone. I want you just to, in your notes there, I want you to think of and write down some names of people who have been faithful encouragers or faithful exhorters. I'm going to kind of interchange those words. Um, Who have been people in your life that through the years, however young or old you are, that have faithfully encouraged you or faithfully exhorted you? All right? Take just a second to do that. Normally, I'd go back to the piano and play for you while you did that. So I'm not going to give you any thinking music. So just what, what, who, are, who are some names of those people? The second question I want you to ask yourself about those people is what made them good at that? What made them? So who are they? And then secondly, why, why, were they, why were they one of the people that you wrote down? What did they do? What did they say? What made them different from somebody else that you didn't write their name down? In my life, there, there, there are two people that came along at really critical moments for me. Uh, one was when I was in high school. Um, his name was Mike. And um, my freshman year of high school... Uh, the church that I was going to uh, went through kind of an ugly split, and my parents were super involved, and, um, but as a result of that, uh, my mom and dad quit going. Um, they were really hurt by what happened. And um, we lived out in the country, and thankfully, growing up in Oklahoma, um, Oklahoma has this crazy law um, that my sister-in-law hates the fact that it still exists, but when you're 14, you can get a motorcycle license, Okay. All right, so 
I mean, think about that, 14-year-olds on motorcycles, all right? So, but thankfully, my parents were cool with me having a motorcycle at age 14. Now, it wasn't a big motorcycle. I was a 125, but it was my transportation. So when my parents dropped out of church, um, I still had the, the ability to get to church. Um, and that particular summer, I went to church camp, and I met this cute girl. And so when my parents quit going to church, I was like, I'm going to go to her church. Um, and thankfully, at that particular church, Mike was there waiting. He was the youth pastor there at that church. And for the next four years, um, through my high school years, um, Mike just walked with me. Um, he, was, he was a spiritual father. He was a mentor. Um, he challenged. He encouraged. Every Monday morning, we met at 630 at his office, and he just did one-on-one discipleship with me. Um, actually, it was one-on-three. There was like two or three of us that went through that. But it was really critical. It was a critical moment in my life. Um, where he continued speaking God's truth into me as a 14, 15-year-old. Um, and, and to this day, um, I, when, when, you, when you hear me talk about Mike, my youth pastor, I still call him my youth pastor. Um, he's, he's retired out of, out of student ministry, but we still talk. I mean, um, all these years later, and we've talked through the years because he's just been one of those key people. Um, but it's because he was intentional about investing and speaking truth into me. So he was, there, that was one of them. The other one was a guy by the name of Mac. And um, um, Mac came into my life about four years ago, um, a little longer than that, but very intentionally about four years ago. He became my boss. Um, so uh, the Great Commission offering that we give to, I'm actually one of your missionaries. I serve as the National Director of Church Planner Training uh, for Southern Baptists. And so um, during the week, I'm usually not in Springfield. I'm usually some other city, someplace. Um, and then I'm home on the weekends for, uh, for church and for our community group and stuff. But four years ago, Mac came into my life as my, as my team leader. And I've never had someone that was so intentional about looking at me and speaking specific words of encouragement and exhortation and also drawing out of me what he saw or that were strengths in me um, and just really helped develop me as a leader and, that was, and that's very late in life. I mean, that's, that's, that's only four years ago. But as a result of that, he, he left our, our team about a year and a half later, uh, and I stepped into his role. Um, and I think that really happened because um, I had a guy like him who was very intentional, very sincere, very specific in the way that, that he encouraged me. So those were, those were my two people. I want us to look at some of these key words, and I want us to relate them back to the people that maybe you've selected, the people that I've shared with you, to remind us of, of the importance of this idea of encouraging each other. It goes back to what John preached on last week when John talked about unity. For us as a family, for us as a, as a worshiping family, one of the key ways that we will be unified is if we live out verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 3. So let's look at the verse and see what it says. The first thing that we see right there says, but exhort one another every month, every week. No, it says every day. It's a daily process. And why is that important? Why is it important that we daily speak words of encouragement into each other? All you got to do is get up and wake up one morning um, and realize that the enemy, the world is coming at you every day. The enemy's not taking a day off 
and going, hey, I, I, think, I, think, I'll, I think I'll leave Charles alone today. I'm just going to go deal with somebody else today. No, there, there, is daily, there is daily battles that are coming at us, whether it's internal or external, or sometimes both. So each and every day, the Father is calling us to be people of encouragement because the enemy is seeking to devour. We have a tendency to wander. It's so easy for little cracks and crevices to form in relationships. I mean, just just ask the elder team. I mean, we are all faithful men who are in faithful marriages, who are men that are chasing after the Father, pursuing God with all of our hearts. But there are times inside that circle of friends and brothers that, that we get sideways with each other because of this very thing. Little cracks and crevices form. And so the Father's given us a weapon, and the weapon is encouragement, is exhortation. And he calls us to do it daily. Second word I want, I want you to remember is he says every day, but then he repeats it by saying, as long as it is called today. I heard this from another pastor friend. His name is John O. He says, if you see something, say something. Uh, that used to be a motto of, of the airports. I spent a lot of time. And so there's, there's, there's the constant announcements, right? If you see an unintended baggage, if you see an unintended piece of luggage, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to say something to somebody. If you see something, say something. Well, I would, I would apply that same principle to us when it comes to this idea of exhortation and encouragement. If you see something, don't go, man, I'll, I'll say something to him tomorrow. I'll say something later. No, stop right then and there and say, wow, that was I mean, the, the, way, the way that you told that story to our kids in the flock, the way you got, on, got down on your knees, the expressions that you used, that was really, really cool. That was really powerful. You held their attention in a way I've never seen anybody hold their attention. Don't wait and do that a week later. Don't wait and do it the next day. Do it today. Because you have no idea what's going on in their heart. And right at that moment, that word of encouragement that you gave to them today has kept the deceitfulness of sin from hardening their heart in that moment. And you have, you, you have no idea that, that that may have what's been going on. So be timely in your word of encouragement. Do it every day. Do it when you see it. So if you see something, say something. Which means you've got to be on the lookout. You can't just be kind of just kind of rolling through, going back to the airport illustration, you can't just be kind of rolling through the airport just not paying attention to anybody. You've got to be on the lookout, which means you've got to be intentional, which also means, and for some of this, I think this is a challenge. For some of us, we've grown up in a couple of different environments. One environment may be that don't be free with your words because we don't want the people around you to get a big head. We don't want pride to come into play. So you tend to, you, you hear that kind of playing in the back of your heads. Well, I don't want to say something because I don't, want, I don't want them to, you know, get all about themselves or whatever. So that's kind of one side of the coin. The, the, the other side of the coin is, um, it's, it's I, I don't want to say something because I, I have some, I, I, don't want, I don't want them to get the glory, if you will. 
I want to get it. You know? So let me, let me give you a challenge when you think about that. In the, in the family of believers, if we're, if we're talking about believers right now, when you see someone living out their strengths, when you see someone do something in a, in a way that you, you want to call it out, you want to say, man, that, that, was, that was really special in that moment. That was really good, the way that you articulated what you did. Or, man, thank you for taking the time to, to craft what you crafted so well. You're, you're so skilled at, at doing that. I love the way that you pay attention to the detail. and You put that together well. What you're, what you're calling out in them in that moment is you're calling out the way that Jesus is using them. You're helping them see, do you see Jesus working through you right there in that moment? So it's not even about them. It's about recognizing what the Father is doing in them. It's calling that out. We need to be better about that with each other, being intentional of calling where we see Jesus working in the midst of each other. Or with our non-believing friends, calling out those moments of common grace. And isn't it good that, that God is able to bless this kind of fellowship that we just had? You know? That's just, that's, just, that's just God bringing rain to the crops. You know? That's just common grace. That's just Him being who He is. And just calling that out. In fact, that could lead to an opportunity to have a gospel conversation with somebody. When you're calling out God's common grace with your friends that, that aren't believers. So be free with your words. Be intentional with your words. Be sincere with your words. You've noticed I've used some, some intentional words here. Things like be intentional. You know? Be specific. Be sincere. I mean, I, I, I enjoy when someone says, hey, nice job with the worship today. Thank you. Okay, I, I appreciate that. But even more so, what's even more powerful for me is when someone comes and says, man, um, you guys' vocals today were really tight and your harmony was spot on and it was, just, it was just really an enjoyment to hear the way the voices match together today. Thank you for the way that you guys did that. That's, that's a whole nother level of compliment, you know, of encouragement, of calling out, okay, yeah, we, we, that, that worked, you know? It was such a blessing to me to see that and hear that today, you know? Or if someone that's, that, that's a good wordsmith, man, I love the way you crafted that sentence today. I love the way you crafted that paragraph. I love the, the, the way that um, that piece of art, that poetry, Man, it, it, just, it just gripped my heart in, in this way. It called out something deep in me that, that I, I wasn't even aware of. As opposed to, man, that was a really nice poem. You know? I mean, it's not that the, other, the one is bad, but how much more powerful can we be if we're intentional and if we're specific? And I think if we're being intentional and specific, 
I think sincerity is going to be a part of that. It's hard to blow smoke when you're just, when you're being that specific and sincere versus, that was a nice job, good job, you know? You can, you can do that all day long and, and it maybe just what you're supposed to say, right? You know, because it's the, the way you've been raised, that's the culture you're a part of. Um, so I want to challenge us today because here's the end result. Look, look at the end of the passage. It says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's a specific end in mind in this passage in verse 13. We need to be free with our words of exhortation and encouragement. Now, sometimes um, that word of encouragement or that word of exhortation may be a challenge to someone. If you've ever watched along the sidelines of a football game, you know, and the, the offense comes off the field and they've had a so-so um, series of, of plays, and the quarterback will come off the field, and he's fired up, and he rips his helmet off, and he's getting in the face of each one of his guys, exhorting them to do better when they got back out on the field. He wants them to, he, he, wa- he wants to call out of them something that he knows is in them that they haven't put on the line. So sometimes that idea of exhortation ha- carries that kind of connotation, that we're calling out of each other, man, stay in it, stay with me. Be a part of this. I know that you can bear this load. I'm going to bear it with you. Abide well. Because the end result is, I don't want sin to begin to form a crust around your heart. Because it doesn't take long for that crust to form and become thick. And all of a sudden, your heart is encased in this just hard, think about just like thick sheet of ice. And you just can't penetrate through it. And a root of bitterness or a root of pride has just grabbed a hold of you. Because you just isolated yourself and you're just kind of out on an island and you've not been hearing words of exhortation and encouragement from your family which obviously means that for you to hear these things, the thing that, that goes unsaid in this passage but it's here, it's assumed, you've got to be around your family, right? You've got to be around your family. If you're not around your family, how can your family encourage you and how can you encourage somebody else in your family? If you're not here, if you're not engaged, that's why for us as a church, we put such a high emphasis on this idea of family, Covenant family, being together, be, being all in with each other so that we can exhort, so that the hardness of our hearts won't happen. I remember um, I've done one marathon. I only do one. I did my one. <laughs> it was plenty. Um, I remember my fir- in that first marathon, my only marathon, um, when I first started the marathon, uh, there was a group of people that were running the same pace I was running. In fact, the leader held a little sign that said, I think it was like maybe the 10-minute group. I think that's what my goal was. Um, and for the first 19 miles, I hung in with that group. 
In the first 15 miles of the marathon, marathon is 26.2, um, the first 15 miles, it was, it was actually kind of a party. He was telling jokes and laughing. He obviously was in way better shape than the rest of us because he could, he could talk, you know. The rest of us, we were, just, we were just running. But he was keeping the party going. He was encouraging us, you know. And he would slow us down when we come into the aid stations and, and so we could get our gel packs and goo and water and all that kind of stuff. And, and then he would pick us right back up and we would keep going. But in mile 19, I slowed down slower than the rest of the group. And as he picked the pace back up, I didn't go with him. I just, I just kind of kept going. And those last seven miles by myself were excruciating. It was awful. Um, I mean, it was, like, it was like somebody, the wheels had just fallen off my body. My legs just kind of quit working. I mean, everything was just nothing. And, and, I, and I think some of it was that I had lost that group of encouragers to just kind of stay with it. And, and, and if, that, if that person next to me can do one more step, I can do one more step, you know? Um, and I, I made it. All right, but I made it a long time after they did. So um, I finished. But how much more would it have been um, if I could have stayed with that group, if I could have persevered? And so what I want you to look at, look at verse 14 for just a second. It says, for we've come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. There's this, there's this idea of perseverance to the end. The writer talks about holding our confidence to the end. And so... One of, the things I, there, one of the things I want you to remember as we, as we think about this idea is that um, God is God as He has us. Ephesians 1, He has chosen us. And I want you to see that key word there, for we have come to share in Christ. If we are truly saved, we will persevere. But it is a sober reminder to us to encourage each other to remain faithful to the end. Because if there's no evidence of faith and obedience, then it should give us pause and ask, and as we ask ourselves, have I been saved? Have I truly been saved? Let me remind some of you guys that, that you, I, I don't want that to spin you out, but I want, I want it to be a reminder to you that we're not talking about perfection because we all sin, we all need forgiveness. But I'm talking about which direction are you running? Are you running towards the Father or are you running away from Him? So just think about that, because in the end, you've got this weapon called encouragement, exhortation, to keep us from having the deceitfulness of sin harden our hearts. So leave me with, let, me, let me leave you with a couple of questions as, as we just kind of land the plane this morning. The first one is this, <clears throat> believers. Who do you need to speak a word of encouragement to? Just take a second. Who, who needs to hear from you? Maybe there's some people right in your family. Oftentimes, um, it's easiest to give words of encouragement to those who are furthest from us, unfortunately. Oftentimes, we neglect the people that are in our own household, that are right underneath our roof of just daily bringing a word of encouragement. Which means, again, for those of us that are believers, I mean, for all of us, but specifically those of us that are believers as we're calling out Jesus in each other, we gotta, we got to pay more attention to the people around us. 
And I'm as guilty as the next person that too often it's easy because they're around me all the time to, to just assume versus, no, I need to look for ways to encourage, to be specific. To be in, so I need to be intentional about that. Um, this is something we, we, we train our church planners. This is one of the things we talk about. And so I, Candy, I think Candy always knows when I'm getting ready to do another training because my, my, my amount of encouragement to her goes up because I'm more aware of, oh, yeah, I need to be practicing this at home as well, you know. So maybe you need to make, maybe you need to make yourself a reminder. Maybe you need to just literally put something in front of you, a sticky note on your mirror in the morning or for me in my journal to be intentional about looking for ways to bring a word of encouragement, to exhort the people around me because I'm calling out Jesus in them. So who is it? So how can you be intentional? How can you be sincere? How can you be specific? What's that look like for you? In fact, of those three areas, of those three words, which will be a challenge for you? Maybe circle the one that will be a challenge for you of those three words, intentional, sincere, and specific. And what's one thing you can do today to grow in that way in your life? Because again, this is not a hypothetical exercise, okay? This is not just kind of a theoretical discuss- discussion we're having today or lecture you're hearing from me today. No, this is, this is a command from the Father so that each one of us doesn't allow the deceitfulness of sin to harden our hearts. So how can you make it a daily rhythm? What's that look like? If you're here today and, and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, my, my plea to you, my encouragement to you is cry out to Jesus to save you. Because I want you to recognize that the Bible very clearly says that if, that if you're dead... If you're, if, you're dead to, if you're dead to him, you're an enemy. You're under the wrath of God. Romans 5.8 talks about that. But while we were still enemies, then here's what happened for you as an enemy of the Father. While you were still an enemy, Christ died for you. So even in your state of being his enemy, God sent his son to die for you. To die for an enemy. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved. Let me, let me, let me give you the exact text so you can hear it this morning. In fact, you want to go and look at it with me, you can see it. Romans 10, 9 and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For, every, for the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if God has opened your heart this morning, if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you, He's drawing you to himself. Call on him. Call on him. As we close this morning, let me just ask you, where are you at? Believer? 
Where are you at when it comes to being someone who intentionally, specifically, with sincerity, encourages and exhorts every day? Strive towards that. And how do you strive towards that? You don't do it under your own power. You don't just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, I'm going to do this today. No, it's by leaning into Jesus. It's by abiding well in him. And out of the overflow of your relationship with him, you'll be more aware of those people around you. So if you find yourself at a place where encouragement is just not part of your wiring, look back to your relationship with the Father. Spend time worshiping the Father. Out of the overflow of that worship of him, he's going to open your eyes up to what's going on around you. And then just be intentional about speaking those words, seeing the people, not walking around in a daze, but being aware, calling out Jesus in them. Let me pray for us. And then um, Pastor Tom is going to come and talk about what we're going to be doing in our response time. But even before the response time, I just pray that you'll just sit and just ask the Father to just awaken your heart to this this idea of being a person who faithfully encourages and exhorts. So that as a family, and as we move into 2020, we're a family that has this culture of unity because we're just constantly calling out Jesus in each other. We're encouraging each other. For those of you who don't know Jesus, call out to Jesus to save you. So as we move into 2020, We have opportunities to invite others to be a part of this family with us. And when they come in and they they see and experience this, there's something different. It's like John talked about last week. There's something different because of the unity, because of the way we encourage and exhort one another. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for um, these words from from your truth, from your word. God, I pray that we will be people. We will be people who will not see this as an optional thing that we just kind of do in the margins of our life, but we see it as a command from you, Father. That we exhort, that we encourage one another daily. So that our hearts won't be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And Father, if there are some here this morning that don't know you, Father, I pray that they will call out to you. They will believe and confess. And that, God, you will save them. So again, Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you for your word. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.